Hello everyone, my name is Maxim Sigoy. I'm the founder of Fit Vegan Coaching and I'm here with SoFlow Vegans. Welcome to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. We bring you vegan experts from around the world to talk about health, the environment, animal advocacy, and spreading compassion. It's our passion to help you navigate the vegan lifestyle by listening to the experiences of vegan influencers, doctors, and experts. Thanks for listening. This is the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. And now your host, Sean Russell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. I am Sean Russell, founder of SoFlow Vegans. And today we have Maxim Sigoin on the show. And if you have heard of Maxim Unfamiliar, you know that he's a life strategist and holistic plant-based fitness coach, as well as the founder of Fit Vegan Coaching. Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Really happy to be here and to you know provide some value to the audience. So we have a bit of a tradition here on the SoFlow Vegans podcast where we like to kick things off with your vegan origin story. And if this is your first time listening to SoFlow Vegans, that's basically where our guest tells us what seeds were planted, get it, seeds, what seeds were planted in their journey that made them want to step into this plant-based lifestyle, step into veganism. And um, the, the idea behind that is everyone has a different story, even if they end up in the same same place. And in hearing those stories, I feel that it will motivate people to see that they can do it themselves. So that's why we do it. So what is your vegan origin story? Yeah, I appreciate that. So mine's a little bit unconventional. Uh, I didn't originally go vegan for the animals, for the environment, or for health reasons. I went vegan to get skinny. <laughs> that was literally the reason. I wanted to lose as much muscle mass as possible and get as skinny as possible. So here's the background story on that. I used to be a heavy meat eater. I grew up on a farm. Like we had our own chickens, cows, geeses, horses. I was just like your typical redneck living in the country, right? We actually had a red pickup truck too. Um, and so I grew up with meat being on my plate every single meal, got into bodybuilding. So fell into that, that bro science type of world for bodybuilding where I was eating a dozen eggs for breakfast, two to three chicken breasts every two hours for five meals a day, just so I can get big and strong then got into powerlifting. So ultimately, like I don't come from the background of vegans. Like we used to make funs of vegans growing up. My dad used to make fun of vegans for eating those blocks of plastic, which you know was referring to tofu. And so one day I was training with one of my buddies, the fitness model, and he was my ride to the gym. And he told me, he's like, hey, I just got to stop at my friend's apartment to pick up something. He's like, you want to come with me? I was like, yeah, for sure. Like I don't have a choice. You're my ride. So got into the his friend's apartment and there's a runway in the apartment, like a high fashion runway. And I was like, what kind of friend do you have here? It's like, oh, this is my modeling agent. I just need to pick up my comm cards, which are kind of like your business cards for the modeling world. And then she looked at me again. I'm 6'4", 240 pounds, big chubby cheeks, like deadlifting, like 550 pounds. She's like, I see something under those big chubby cheeks. Like, let's just try losing some weight and see if we can get you a photo shoot. And so I was prepping for a fitness modeling gig at the time for a competition. I was like, I'm just going to lean out, do a photo shoot, see what it looks like. So I did my first photo shoot, loved it, allowed me to get a gig, made some money. I was like, damn, man, I'm working at Subway here, you know, making 15 bucks an hour. I got paid a few hundred bucks for people to take photos of me. I'm like, let me do more of this. This is way more fun for me, right? Because I like working out. 
And so ultimately they told me that if you want to work in this industry, like you're way too muscular, you're way too big. And so you, they told me you have to lose muscle. And I think my shirt size was about like a large, extra large at the time. And I needed to fit into a medium, right? Like a small, medium shirt. So I had a lot of chest, a lot of bicep to lose it in order to fit into those clothes. So I went on Google and I was like, what diet's going to get me skinny the fastest? Like vegans are skinny and weak is what came up. I was like, I don't care if I'm weak. I just need to be skinny. So man, I swapped a dozen eggs for breakfast, my bowl of oatmeal, all my meat for the next day went vegan right away, had a bowl of frozen blueberries, dates, and bananas. And that was over nine years ago. That's how I originally kind of transitioned. There, there was no seed that was planted. It was like Google told me and I did it the next day, ultimately. Wow. So you're right. That is the first time I heard someone say that they were trying to lose muscle. I've heard lose fat. Yeah. I've heard, you know, female. so that's that's interesting. And it's also interesting that you have that experience in terms of bodybuilding and powerlifting because you've also done Spartan races and you've done um, Ironman. So, so like, tell us, like, how has that impacted your body over the years? Um, before we get back to, you know, the second part of that journey, how has all, have all those disciplines impacted your body over the years? Yeah, ultimately, it made me the man that I am today. It allowed me to have the level of success and impact that I have today because it taught me discipline at its core. Right? I'm a big believer if you're able to master your body and your mind, because choosing the foods that you're eating and limiting the food that you're supposed to be eating is really hard. You talk about instant gratification, you have to have willpower, you have to have discipline to not eat the cookie when you're not supposed to eat the cookie because you're supposed to step on stage. You're supposed to, when you got to go and work out, even though you don't want to work out. So kind of like going into bodybuilding, kind of start to build me that discipline into my body. And then ultimately, I was like, what else can I do? And then I stepped into many different sports. I played college ball for years, then went to bodybuilding, went into powerlifting, and then just went into uh, triathlon. So did over 25 plus triathlons and I did a bunch of Ironmans, bike from Vancouver to San Francisco to raise money for cancer patients. And so ultimately, it just built discipline inside of me that I was able to translate to other area. And ultimately gave me what I call like to call true confidence because there's confidence, there's fake confidence from like, I got nice clothes, I have a six pack, I'm looking good. But then there's true confidence, which is when I say I'm going to do something and I actually do it, then you become dangerous because then it's like, well, I got to be careful about what I say because whatever I'm about to say, I'm about to get, right? Yes. So yes. it allowed me to build that true confidence and just be really careful about like what I spend my energy into because ultimately I know I'll achieve it. So it changed my life, ultimately, fitness. So you decided to go vegan or start that journey because you wanted to lose muscle to step into this fitness modeling um, arena, correct? Uh, high fashion modeling, not fitness, high fa like high fashion. I had to be skinny like a twig. Okay, so high fashion. <laughs> so then what happened What happened after that? Like take us a little bit further from that point because you said it was like nine years. You said it was nine years ago. What happened yeah. between then and there? And how did you eventually start your business? Yeah, for sure. So ultimately, first year of going vegan, again, the goal is to lose muscle mass. I stopped strength training. I just did cardio. I underrated my calories. I underrated my protein. Lost 80 pounds in a year. Lost a ton of muscle mass. Was able to be skinny enough to work in New York, in Milan, in Italy. Just had a cool time kind of doing these things. Ultimately, when I got on the international stage, like in Milan, discovered that the industry was very toxic, the whole drug and starvation and puking, like that's a real thing. It's not just a movie thing. It's a real thing. I was like, I don't want to be a part of that world. 
they wouldn't allow me to smile on camera and I love smiling. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to build my own thing so I can be on a cover of a magazine and smile all I want because I build something, not because of just the way that I look, which was like a skinny 12-year-old boy at the time because that was the look that was in season. So once I kind of got out of that, that industry, uh, I went back into fitness. I started traveling. I became a little hippie, kind of hitchhiked everyone everywhere, ended up in Vancouver, and then kind of started training. Then I met my ex-partner. Um, who, uh, within three months of us dating, got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so, no, I loved her. So I stayed by her side. The doctor gave her one year to live. She ended up living five years, which is like a really good quality of life during those five years because she transitioned to eating whole food plant-based throughout that process. Drastically added years to her life. And throughout that process, I was the main caregiver. I had never like lived with a partner before. I'd never had bills to pay and nonetheless, like had to take care of someone because their life was on the line. And so it was such a stressful environment. And to me, it was like, I don't never really connected with like drugs and alcohol, but I, was like, I need to do something. And I just fell into that, that sport, right? The first way was I need to raise money for my ex-partner because she just, it was, it was tough to pay all these bills by myself, to be honest with you. I was spending way more than I was making on those cancer treatments. And so I was like, let me just do something crazy. Let me bike from... Vancouver, Canada, to San Francisco. I'm a, I come from a bodybuilding background. I'm not a cyclist. And so I found four of the people that were going through cancer as well that needed financial support. And I just said on my way, I biked and I camped every single night in the woods and then made my way to San Francisco. It took me like, I think like 22 days. I documented the whole thing on YouTube. I raised a bunch of money, was able to kind of support every family that was going through cancer. And that felt really good to me. I was like, man, like that was, that was it just kind of opened up my heart. And when I came home, I was like, okay, well, I did this thing. I'm like, what's the next craziest thing I can do? Again, back to Google, what are the craziest events in the world? Iron Man showed up. I was like, that sounds badass. I don't know what it is, but it sounds badass. Then discovered it's triathlon. I didn't know what triathlon was as well, because again, just not where I come from. We don't, just not a sport that people do. The swim, bike, run. I was like, I don't swim. I know how to bike now because I bike to San Francisco. And like, I guess I can run. And so got into that sport and got really addicted to it. Because it's such, there's a, a mind numbing aspect of like, I'm dealing with all this stuff with cancer and bills and treatments and pain. And I was like, I just love to be able to shut off my brain for three hours on the bike or when I was swimming. So that was my form of escapism. That's why I fell into that sport. And, you know, reading up on you, you have a mission, a very clear mission of what you're looking to achieve in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like that was the, you know, the catalyst for you having that mission. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we've all had people in our, in our surroundings that kind of got sick with cancer at this point. There's a lot of people that are going through that. But to me, like I had my grandfather pass away from cancer when I was younger as well. And, and, and I saw it, but the only glimpses of it. And when my ex-partner kind of went through it, and it was like 24-7 for almost five years straight, it was like waking up to screams in the middle of the night, driving to all the cancer treatments, just like the constant worrying, the, the wanting to save someone, but you can't because it's on your power to do so. It was just such a hard journey. And I was just on the caregiver side. So on her side, like losing her health and seeing what she had to go through to try to re-get her health back. I saw what everyone talked about of like, once you lose your health, literally nothing else matters. Who cares about the nice house? Who cares about the car? Who cares about the trips? 
you just literally don't care about anything else besides getting that one thing back. And you would give, you would live in the streets to get your health back. And so seeing her go through that and me kind of just like witnessing that, I was like, man, I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for anyone else because her cancer, my grandfather's cancer were lifestyle related. They weren't genetic. And so it was just created out of both of them being entrepreneurs, not taking care of themselves, pushing, 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 not sleeping, not eating great food. And so when she passed away over two years ago, I was like, man, I don't want anyone to have to go through that. So I'm like, how can I impact people's life? I'm like, oh, I'm obviously really good at fitness. And I was a coach for, for a long time. And again, got to help people eat whole food plant-based, right? It's one of the number ones way to disease-proof your body. And so I was like, let me just build something where I can help people disease-proof their body, give them the body that they want. And that's my, that's my little selfish ex exchange, right? I give people the body that they want in exchange. What I get is I know that I disease proof their body by teaching them and educating them on how to fuel themselves on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. And so that's kind of like how all of this came about. And to refer back to the mission, it's to help 10,000 people get lean, thrive, and disease proof their body on plants by 2033 and a million by 2050. So the first one by 2033, my ex-partner is older than me. She was 12 years older than me. And um, in 2033, I will be her age when she passed away. And so in her honor, I want to impact the lives of 10,000 people by that time. And thank you for providing clarity on that. And a part of that mission, I believe you're associated with a nonprofit organization. Um, yeah, we have multiple society. partnerships. Okay. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of those partnerships um, that relate to specifically to that mission? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So... On the on the on the back end, so I run I run about five companies at this point, and so every month I donate a percentage of our profit to families that are directly battling cancer, right? So someone that was in my position and my ex's position, when it was like we don't have money to do this cancer treatment to buy the organic fruits and vegetables, and so we don't necessarily go through an organization for that. We just go directly to them and donate the funds to them. So to me, it's it's really cool because I wish someone would have done that for me many years ago, mm -hmm. and. The other partnership we have with Cedar Sky Thrivers, which is my good friend, Nicolette Richet, um, who's PhD. She's just masterful in helping people reverse some major chronic diseases, right? Um, so through her, her nonprofit, she has a course where it educates people on how to reverse chronic disease, right? Wow. Through whole food, plant-based eating. And so I made a deal with her. I was like, hey, I know one course is this much for people to do it, but I'm sure you have a ton of people that need it that don't have the funds to do it. Can we work out a deal? I'll give you, I'll donate money every month, but I want that every course that I buy goes to three people, right? And so she, she said yes. So obviously every month we make donations to her foundation and I'm impacted and help. I'm able to impact three times more people per donation that I make. And those are people that don't have the finances to do the course, but now have access to. Wow. And, and I mean, thank you for the work that you're doing because just hearing your story and knowing people that have gone through that and who, who've lost the battle um, to cancer and then hearing, having these doctors on our podcast and hearing about the percentage of these diseases that are preventable through diet and lifestyle changes, um, it's it's important that not only are people seeing examples of people being able to, I don't want to say, you got to be very careful with the language and the terminology when you're talking about cancer and plant-based, you know, in the plant-based yeah. world, but, you know, but firsthand, you know, not anecdotally, you know, somebody saying my friend did this, but someone who's actually 
you know, had breast cancer, had certain types of cancers, and have not only just went took a plant-based diet, but did other things, you know, other holistic mm-hmm. things for themselves and see them turn that and change that. It's it's very inspirational because even if it doesn't impact you directly, you know, you know, you'd be lucky if there isn't somebody in your life that it that does get impacted by it. So to have someone like you that has programs and has information and content out there that supports, you know, even just being aware, getting awareness of how to support your loved one. Um, thank you for that. Really. Yeah. No, I, um, I appreciate that. So, so one of the things I do want to, as we start going more into, um, and just to let everyone know that's listening, one of the things we really like to do on this podcast is provide you guys with takeaways that you can start applying to your life right away. And I know you have some amazing programs on your platform that people can sign up for, but on your site, I saw that you had a couple of categories, a couple of areas where people can look into in terms of like mastering their life and 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 taking it taking charge in different in those different areas. So I want to go over each one of those areas and in a very high level, if you could just provide some insight, maybe just a little bit of a sprinkling of awareness of what people could look out for, um, I think that would provide a lot of value. But before I even do that, I do want to look at, um, I want to get some clarification on something that I saw. So you you are the world's number one whole food plant-based body recomp, I'm guessing recomposition expert. Yeah. Um, can, Can you tell me a little bit about what is a recomposition expert? Yeah, for sure. So body recomposition is simply that you like you have two variables in your body. When you want to look at transforming, you have a fat variable and you have a muscle variable. So if you shift those, that is a shift in body composition. So the goal is to build muscle and decrease body fat, right? A lot of people, when they do transformation, they just decrease fat and muscle unknowingly when they're, they're trying to do the opposite. So a lot of people don't approach your transformation properly. So the goal is to build muscle and lose fat. And we do it on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Because a lot of people will do it with use this use of like fake meat, fake vegan products, which again, from time to time is fine. But the majority of the food you're consuming, you want it to be whole food plant based because you want to create that anti-inflammatory, that alkaline environment in your body. And on the flip side, there's a beautiful whole food plant based movement, which I absolutely love and have a lot of friends and a lot of doctors in, which is focused on health, reversal of chronic disease, prevention of chronic disease, which is a beautiful space. Well, to me, coming from the fitness background and the cancer world, I was like, I want both together. There's a way to make this work. A lot of people don't touch this area that I'm in because they don't think you can get enough protein on a whole food plant-based diet. And so for us, we have found a way to basically coach our members to get exactly what they need to get the prevention of some of those chronic diseases, but also shift their body composition in a favorable way for them. And thank you for that clarification. And um, so- I'm going to go over these buckets um, just so everyone has a frame of reference, and then we'll just go into them one at a time. And um, I might ask you a few follow-up questions after you you provide some explanation. So the buckets that we're going to look at, and this was pulled directly from um, um, his website, we have mindset, health, fitness, money, relationships, and business. So let's get started with mindset. What could you um, tell our our listeners about the mindset variable? 
then it's everything, right? So I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins' work. I'm, I'm deeply in his world. I have the opportunity to meet him in August, so I'm very excited for that. But he says that all transformation is 80% psychology, 20% strategy. When you think of it, it's true, right? A lot of strategies aren't that complex. If you want to build a business, have a healthy body, be healthier, have a healthy relationship, they're pretty basic fundamentals that you have to follow. The psychological part, the story that we tell ourselves, the limiting belief, the self-sabotage is the thing that makes sticking to the basics hard. Either we believe that we don't deserve it or that we can't because we have a history of not succeeding before, whatever it may be. So all of our transformations for all of our members, we focus like 80% of our time on psychology because we can give someone the best plan in the world, but if they don't follow it, there's no magic that's going to happen, right? So it just comes down to working on what's in between your two ears. We want to hear from you. Visit our website to ask a question, leave a comment, or tell us how much you love the show. We'll play some of your messages during the episode, as well as directly to our guests. So be sure to leave your name and city and visit SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. And on, that, and on that note, I'm a huge subscriber to that in terms of for me, for me personally, just being aware that I get to ap apply awareness to my day-to-day -day practice and see where I am in order to know where I'm going. That was one of the things that changed my life for the better. I'm curious for you, at what point did you realize that mindset was so important for, for transformation of any kind? Yeah, 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was given the book Awaken a Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And I always had it in me of like, I want to create big things. I want to have big impact. I want to do all of these things. And I was like, well, I'm just not the type of person that can do these things. I was skinny. I was insecure. So after reading that book, there was tools in there that you could use to kind of shift certain things in your life. And as I did them, I was like, damn, I have the ability to kind of change how I perceive myself, how I show up in the world. And that was the first time that I realized how much power I had over the life that I was going to create for myself. So yeah, it was about like 15 years ago that all that shifted. That's amazing. The fact that I know so many people who've gotten their journey through Tony Robbins are things of that nature. Like for me, it was like a program, one of these like landmark programs called Gratitude. Oh, I love Landmark. <laughs> so it was, yeah. it's, um, but uh, shout out to gratitude. Cause that's when I actually went to, it was just similar to landmark, but focused more so on gratitude. And just from there, it was just being able to use those tools every day. And what I tell people, and this is my experience is that it's not a, like a magic pill where you, you get the information and now your life is perfect. For me, it's more now that I, I feel like I have a tool on my belt that whenever I start to yeah. have these self-limiting beliefs or things are coming up or I'm having challenges that are presented in my life, I can now go into the tool belt and realize, okay, you know, take ownership of it, realize that I'm the author, all the other things that come along with it. So, and I know Tony Robbins, he, he's, a, he's a branch from that master tree that built the landmarks and all of these different things. So uh, definitely glad you have that book. Check out that book and the different programs that are out there. I'll try to put a few in the show notes. Thank you for that. And Next, we have health. What can you tell yeah, us a little bit well, about health? Yeah, well, just kind of with my, my previous history, right? Like if you lose it, it's literally the only thing that matters that you want to get back. So I don't think there's a lot to be said about that one. But if you get sick, you know how, how much effort you want to put into feeling better. So that's why it's obviously super important to focus on it. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be like a huge thing that comes up. Like just the other day, I had a headache and I'm like, wow, I totally forgot how these felt. And I, you know... 
I got to be, I get to remind myself how grateful I am when I don't have one because it's, um, yeah. it's definitely debilitating on the very low level. Obviously there's other things with health that are <laughs> way yeah, more. Like pain, right? It's like, it's yeah. when you're in the car and you have a kid kicking your seat. You're like, it's not the end of the world, but it's annoying. You're just like, stop kicking. Yeah. yeah trying to be zen. All right. So we have, so we have fitness. And, I, and, and as you're listening to this, as I'm saying it, it sounds kind of like, uh, at, but what I'm looking to do here is also tie it to you know, his system, his philosophy, the way he sees the world, as since he is the guest on this podcast. So it, what may seem obvious to some, there may be little glimpses of um, new information or new pathways for you to start traveling down that might come out through this conversation. So, if I, you know, as I say... Yeah happiness you know people are like oh i'm, I'm making happiness up but you know you can yeah, get yeah, what yeah. i'm saying so fitness yeah. <laughs> with all that yeah being i said. appreciate you showing that because i have a different answer than typical people would tell you being fit is not having a six-pack it's not stepping on a bodybuilding stage it's not doing iron man it's not running a marathon being fit is having a body that is an asset not a liability to your life so if there's things that you want to do with your kids with your friends with your partner and you can't do them because of your body that's not being fit. If you can do them, then that's being fit, right? Competing, mm -hmm. stepping on stage is the cherry on the Sunday, right? It's, it's extra stuff. So if you can bend down, be mobile, go for a hike, bike with your kids, do all of these things, have sex with your partner, not be tired after 10 seconds and just feel confident when you're in a bedroom with your partner, like that's being fit to me, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. need to have a shredded six pack to be fit. I've had six pack multiple times in my life. They're severely overrated. You don't feel that great. You feel weak. That's better when you have a bit more body fat. Yeah. So the image of fitness that comes up in people's head, that's not true fitness, right? Because you grab some of those six pack people. And if I go for a 20 mile run with them, it can't, it can't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then same thing. If I get someone that's run 20 miles and I get them to deadlift like 200 plus pounds, a lot of them can't do it. Some can, but not everyone. Right. So it's about mm -hmm. just being like a, a mass, not a, a master of one specific thing, but like a master, of like all general things, right? I butchered the saying, but eventually you want to be able to do all the things that allow you to live a good life. And and speaking of that, I just started watching a show on Netflix called um, The 100 Physical or something like Physical 100. Oh, that's a great and, show. Oh my goodness. I'm like, and the thing I like about it is it, it kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Whereas you go to these different competitions, you realize like the person who has the fittest on paper, the like on and visually the best looking physique isn't necessarily the person yeah. that, you know, can accomplish this mission. So I feel like they really drive that message home. I was at some point I wanted to bring it up and you gave me the perfect layup yeah, yeah. for it. Look what you just said. Man, I'm going to tell you, I watched the whole thing. I'm not going to destroy the end for you but the guy that won if you saw him walking down the street you wouldn't be like ah that's a fit guy he would just walk by and be like all right cool but a lot of those guys that you would see walking the street like oh my god this guy's fit because yeah. he's big and he's strong the guy that won you wouldn't really say that wow him. wow so check it out yeah. it's on netflix and i think a new season's coming out whatever we're not not sponsored by us um the next one put me on the, the show do an american version <laughs> hey I, I would i would really like to see that and i would like to see a couple of vegans on there i'll, I'll definitely um yeah. if there's a voting system i'll vote for you um yeah, the next one you. is a the next one is a big one it's money mm -hmm. so let's be honest it's most people's stressors in life right to me, the, the reason why it's on there is because I do have one of the companies I own is a fitness and money program. Um, 
my business partner in that is, is financially free. He doesn't have to work another day in his life and he's put himself in a proper position. He comes from nothing. So we teach our members how to get themselves in that position the smart way, not the like Amazon FBA quickie scammy way that people are doing online right now, like the genuine way for you to get there. Like it takes time. You're not going to get there in like 30 days or, or, or a year ultimately. And so my such a big stressor and on my side, like having gone through that kind of cancer journey, it to me, it annoyed the shit out of me because money was the thing that was preventing me from helping my ex-partner get better because I didn't have enough money to the free, to do the freaking treatments. I didn't have enough money to go to the centers that would be able to help her because there was like 40 grand, 30 grand. When I went to her, I was working at a smoothie bar, making $12,000 a year, right? I was not in the position that I am now and it, it really bothered me. And so we want to help people get a handle of their money, increase their earning capacity, increase their saving rates and put themselves in a better position. And there's a massive correlation between um, fitness and money. Uh, there's a massive correlation between fitness and money. It's the same principle. You got to track your food. You got to be wary. Like if I give you a certain amount of calories per day. Sorry, my headphones uh, got disconnected for a second. So we would give you a certain amount of calories per day right? You got to budget that you can't overspend on it and overshoot, then you put on some weight, right? So a lot of the principles are the same when it comes to like being on track with the nutrition and being on track with your finances. And it's interesting how money and I guess everything all goes back to that mindset. Because as you start to gain that awareness of yourself, and you could look at how certain conditions and certain things that you, you know, you were how you were raised can set you up either for success or for failure. And once you're aware of that, being able to make adjustments to counter counterproduce that because the mind, I make up that the mind is a powerful computer, a powerful machine. And we yeah. are constantly programming it with the things that we intake, the things that we avoid, the people that we surround ourselves with. And, um, you know, money is one of those, like you said, one of those big stressors. And another stressor yeah. is the next, the next topic, yeah. relationships. I'd like to add something. Can please, I add something please, to the please. So I think, I think there's, as we were talking, I was like, there's three things to it. So if you can delay gratification, you'll have success in fitness, health, and money, right? We, as humans, we suck at delaying gratification. We live the Amazon prime life where it's like, give it to me today. Like I want a robot to deliver it in like 30 minutes from now. So we live the Amazon Prime life, right? So day gratification is a huge one. Second part is having systems in place. Mm. I am not disciplined because I am disciplined. I am disciplined because I have systems in place that make it easy for me to be disciplined where I don't have to use willpower, right? There's no shit food in my house. I don't need to use willpower. I, there's just nothing to eat. I just have to eat the healthy stuff that's there. Same thing for your finances. If you automate some of those investments and the percentage kind of being pulled out, which the United States has a great system for that. Canada doesn't do that. You have to do it manually. Like putting a system in place is huge, right? And so those those are the I say the two biggest ones: the delaying gratification, having a system in place, and third, a lot of people have a bad story about money. And I definitely used to be that guy. I'm like, if you make a lot of money, you're a crook, you're evil. That's how my dad raised me. I love him, but we just come from the country, small time. At the end of the day, every the the amount of money you make is determined by the amount of value you provide to the world. And I found that to be really true. And there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. And I'm all for making a lot of money because the more money I have, the more I can give, right? It depends why you're trying to make money, right? The more I have, the more families I can support going through cancer, the more I can help people that were in my position before. 
And so it's just about changing your story around it. Because if your story is like, I can't get fit, I can't handle my money. Well, guess what? You won't be fit and you won't handle your money. And to that, I feel like, especially in this space where it's more of a heart-centered space, I feel like the conversation around money is even more amplified of, you know, associating it with evil, associating it with greed, especially in the nonprofit sector. And, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of this work that, you know, you provide and that's out there for people to do in terms of mindset and everything else that we discussed, I feel help will help in you know, overcoming that so you can have the funds to support the animals, to run your business effectively, to give back to your community and not feel like you're taking away from you being able to eat. So um, I'm like doing a little uh, testimonial here. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, so, but I'll, I'll give you a hundred books after Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but that's, that, that's definitely, um, that's definitely important. And I'm glad that we're we're speaking about that. And then, yeah. then we're going to the next one in terms of relationships because I feel like, you know, money and then relationships are neck and neck in terms of stressors. Whether and I'm not yeah. just talking about romantic relationships, just relationships in general. You know, dealing with people, family, especially in the vegan space. I'm just speaking on family for a second. You know, once mm -hmm. you do go vegan, being surrounded by people who will support you and uplift you is not always a given. And, you know, that could be stressful for you, especially if you have a now going into personal like fam, um, romantic relationships, having a spouse yeah. that lives with you. So do you talk a little bit about relationships in this in this um, context. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's one of the biggest things that affect you. I think it's even more than finances, to be honest with you. We, I think we've all had these faces where we think that changing our environment will kind of change how we feel about ourselves. And to me, when my ex-partner passed away, I was like, I just need to get out. So I moved to Tulum, Mexico for a bit, moved to LA. I kind of traveled around. And then I just realized that wherever I was, it was just a different background to my laptop. I was working. It was palm trees. It was a beach. It was mountains. It was a forest. It's just the same background. If you really think back on all the amazing trips you've ever been on, all the cool places that you live, it's the people that you met that you remember. It's never, never the location. It's never the background. It looks cool for a photo, but it's the people that you met. And so those connections, those relationships are one of the most valuable things in your life. And then when it's about choosing the right people to be around you, because you don't have to accept everyone around you, right? And so a lot of us, depending on where you're at internally, and again, this is like a much broader topic, but if you're in a place of, of insecurity and neediness, get who, guess what you're going to attract? Mm. Takers and people are going to take advantage of you, right? And then you wonder why everything's always so hard and life is shitty and people are just, you know, you feel like you're never getting anything back. You're never getting, you're just always giving, giving to other people and you feel drained. Well, you know, you have to like take a step back, internalize like, who am I? How do I want to live? What are the people that want around me? And then you're going to have to make some tough decisions of like, I need to have an honest conversation with this person. If it responds well, then we get to keep this person around us, right? If they don't respond well, well, it's time to part ways. Because at the end of the day, man, like seeing it when, when my was on her deathbed, like it was, it was families. It was me. It was her sister. Like that's the shit that mattered, right? It wasn't the needy people or the money. Again, none of these things. It was the people that you care about that need to be around you. And so it's about surrounding yourself with the people that you want by your deathbed. 
Like, no. would you want someone that takes advantage of you or, or treats you badly? You wouldn't, right? So it's like, who do you want around you on your deathbed? That's who I try to surround myself with. And, and that reminds me of, uh, I don't remember the exact story, but you, everybody's probably heard it. Like when a lot of these successful, wealthy billionaires are on their deathbed, rarely, if ever, do they say, I wish I could have made that one more business, had that closed that business deal. It's always, yeah. you know, in the realm of relationships. And so, yeah. And then and another type of relationship, and I think it almost was a, a combination of a lot of these different things is business. So yeah. um, to tell us a little bit about how business fits into what we're talking about. Yeah. So a lot of people I work with, depending. So I have, again, we have multiple programs. The majority of our program is to tailor around people that want to improve their body composition and all that. But I do have people that work with me one-on-one -on -one more in a business setting to kind of optimize their business and kind of grow it that are in a similar space. And so I like to work with people that are on a similar mission as me that want to impact the world in a positive way with plant-based eating. And so the people that come to me for that basically just hire me to come and like scale the company and make it more optimal so that they can have more revenue, they can give back more, they can impact more lives. So that's just for more for people that have like an actual business that want me to help scale it. And in, in the finance and fitness program that we have, some people, we teach them like how to start their own online business, but like the real way, not the quick, whatever you see on TikTok nowadays. <laughs> The algorithm. Oh my goodness. You gotta be careful yeah, what you I like. They'll, they'll send you, they'll send you every, every other picture would be other timeline posts will be about that. But it also works yeah. well if you're looking for that. You know how to skip the Google search. So you in addition to everything that we just talked about, you're no stranger to podcasts. You actually yeah. have um two podcasts, you're involved in other podcasts. Two of my correctors are yeah. Okay. Yeah, two's enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and what people could expect to hear on if they decide to subscribe? For sure. So the one I had for the longest is the Fit Vegan podcast. So it's a podcast completely dedicated to providing value for people that wants to, again, level up their life, that want to improve their health, that want to improve their body on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So there's episodes, again, on nutrition, there's episodes on training. A lot of them are on mindset and psychology simply because that's the biggest component. I think all of us have access to more than enough transformation, so much so that the typically the people I talk to are overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there. They just don't know how to put it in a clear game plan. And so the information is not the issue. The compliance is the issue, right? The game plan, and the compliance is the issue because you can filter out through all this information, create a game plan, but then you have to stick to it. That's where most people struggle, right? So all that podcast is on that. I have another one called the Maxim Seguin Show. It's just my name simply because I have a lot of friends that are experts in different fields that aren't vegan, that didn't really want to be associated with the word vegan. So they wouldn't want to jump on the Fit Vegan podcast, which I understand. Like I wouldn't jump on someone's podcast that's called like Carnivore MD or whatever, right? Because mm -hmm. it just doesn't align with me. And so if we if I talked about business with him, it would make sense. I would just wouldn't go on his platform because it's called Carnivore, right? So same thing for them. So I built another podcast that's just really neutral. It's my name. That way I can have guests on that are experts in their field and has nothing to do with nutrition. Okay. And of course, you, where can everyone download those podcasts and subscribe? Yeah, if you just go to fitvegan.ca, all the links are there. The link to the podcast, my YouTube, my Instagram, all of it. Fitvegan.ca is the best place. And 
you, you, you mentioned it, .ca, you're in, I'm guessing from the conversation, you're in Vancouver? No, I actually relocated to Los Angeles two months ago. I couldn't get fitvegan.com. It was like 45 grand to buy it. I was like, nah, I'm just going to get fitvegan.ca. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to keep it Canadian. But ultimately, yeah, I, I, I live in Los Angeles now, but I just didn't want to pay to buy fitvegan.com. <laughs> Even better. I was about to ask you about, you know, veganism in, in Canada, but now I can ask you about it, you know, compared to what you're experiencing in one of the main places in the United States for veganism, Los Angeles. So like, what's been your, first of all, what's been your experience in the you know, last, as you said, last two months, like the last eight years and couple change being vegan in, in Canada? Yeah. So well, I've said vegan for nine years, when I went vegan, it wasn't cool yet. So the options we had was like Oreos were your treat or tofu that was like banana flavored. Like honestly, it took me two years to know that Oreos were vegan because it looks like cream. So I just never looked into it. I was like, I can't mm -hmm. eat this. But it took me two years before I figured out Oreos were vegan. But it was so easy to eat healthy because that literally all that was available. You just couldn't eat anything else, right? Mm -hmm. And then as kind of stuff came out that it made it easier for people to transition, but also made it easier for people to kind of eat vegan junk food and kind of just live off of that. Uh, in Canada, it's in Vancouver, it's pretty good. There's a lot of great restaurants, like in downtown Vancouver. And then in LA, they're just everywhere, ultimately, right? There's so much great food here. But again, all, there's more clean options in LA than there are in Vancouver. But I think it's like the same ratio because there's more vegan junk food restaurants in Los Angeles as well. But there's a lot of really good, uh, clean ones. So yeah, both cities are like the best. I think for Canada, Vancouver is the spot. And then for United States, I think LA is the spot. Any any um, recommendations, specific recommendations in both places for our listeners in case they're visiting? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, if you go to Vancouver, Heirloom is really good. Meat is really good. Meat on Main, but it's M-E-E-T, not like actual <laughs> like meat. But that's like a vegan junk food one. It's comfort food, but it's like, it's, it's, it's really good. You don't go there from time to time. Yeah, Herloom, that one, there's, I think it's called Mia's. Those would be the top three that I have in mind. If you go to LA, like I obviously love Cafe Gratitude. It's just so good. I spent so much money there. It's just <laughs> such good food. Crossroads Kitchen is another really good one. It's with Travis Barker, the Blink-182 dude. That's his mm -hmm. restaurant. That's really good food there as well. And then there's a really small spot in the valley called Vegan Time. It's like vegan Thai okay. food. It's so good. They have like a vegetable tofu wrap with like a, the peanut sauce is just incredible. I could just drink that peanut sauce. It's so good. So yeah, <laughs> those would be three spots to check out. <laughs> and I'm out of curiosity, when you aren't eating at these amazing restaurants, what are like some of your go-to meals to make at home? Yeah, sure. Well, just like what I've been eating this week, for example, like a big antioxidant green rich smoothie in the morning. So I was like, I'm sweet almond milk, some frozen spinach, some frozen kale, some mixed berries, some bananas, some protein powder in there, some chia seeds. And then for lunch, it'll be like a full block of tempeh with some stir fry vegetables and some sweet potatoes. And then for dinner, I have like roasted chickpea, chickpeas, kidney beans, black beans, uh, roasted with onions and all the different types of bell peppers with some like basmati rice, for example, and some avocado, and then a side of stir fry veggies as well. I do about like three to four meals a day. My schedule is really busy. So to me, I try to get 1000 calories per meal, so I can get 3000 calories per day. Because if I try to spread it out, like I'm too rushed trying to eat, and I don't want to be a rush when I'm eating. So that's pretty much what I eat right now. Any hacks when you're on the road, and you have to pick something up? Yeah, so buy vegetable, uh, buy fruits. 
right? So many people when they're on the road, they're like, well, I'll just grab whatever the easiest thing is. But the easiest thing is it's easy. Whether you grab a shit option or a good option, they're both easy to pick. You just have to make the right choice, right? So a lot of people grab like nuts or things that are really calorie dense just to tie them off until they get to your meal. But they're consuming like 500 calories of like nuts and whatever vegan M&Ms with it, like a, a trail mix. Buy two bananas. It's 200 calories. You get some fiber, you get vitamins and nutrients, you get some hydration in it versus some nuts that are, again, really high in calorie that usually have really cheap oil mixed into it. It causes inflammation in the body. So go for fruits to tie you off until you get to the place where you want to. And then some protein bars, like I don't have a lot of them, but one that's pretty decent is NoCal, the NoCal protein bars. They're pretty decent macros as well. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my go-to just eat to tie you off until you get to the next spot. Okay. And our next spot is winding down the podcast. And before we get to our final segment of to the heart or from the heart, yeah, from the heart, um, anything you want to tell our listeners, anything maybe we didn't touch on or where they could find more information about all everything that we discussed on the show. For sure. So there's only one concept that I want to share that I make sure I share on every podcast that I'm on. So there's this concept called reverse dieting. You ever heard of it, Sean, before? Reverse dieting? No. So basically when people do a fat loss phase, 90, I think the stats for North America are 95% of people put the weight back on six months to a year after, right? So I mean, if you drop 30 pounds within six months to a year, you're 95% of chances that you'll be 35 pounds heavier back to where you were before, which is a waste of time right? You just did all that for nothing. That's what's called yo-yo dieting. People gain and lose the weight. So reverse dieting is a process that you do once you're done your fat loss phase. You basically reverse your diet. So it's where you slowly and methodically re-add calories on a weekly basis, depending on how your body's responding. It takes about four months to do. And what it does is you're able to add on average 800 to 1000 plus calorie of food intake to where you're at. And I say like 80% plus of people stay the same weight. So if you lost 30 pounds, you're still 30 pounds lighter, but then you're eating more food to maintain your new body. Mm. So it makes it almost impossible for you to put the weight back on after because you have to eat so much food to maintain. Therefore, if you want to put on fat, you have to force yourself to eat some more. So it's something that we do with all of our members because what's the point of doing a fat loss? You're just going to put the weight back on after. So we want to guarantee that you're not putting the weight on after. So that's a principle that a lot of people haven't heard of. So I want to share with your audience in case they're struggling with like yo-yo dieting to definitely look into it. We do it with all of our members. So if they go to, again, fitvegan.ca, there's some information on there. All right. Well, I yeah, I've never heard of that. That's pretty interesting. I definitely want to see a little bit more about that because that sounds very appealing to a lot of people and that have been on diets and have lost the weight and like you said sort of anticipate getting it right back on so thank you for sharing that and yeah. closing off the show i want you to pretty much take over take over the episode and just take anything that's coming up for you anything that you want to share with our audience you are going to have the final word on the show and before we do that, I just want to thank you so much once again for providing our listeners and myself a lot of valuable information, for sharing your story, and of course, for just being a part of this global movement that is steadily growing and impacting a lot of lives. So thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And for those closing words, I was thinking about it because you mentioned it before. So two things. Whatever you think is worth it is actually not because 
I hear so many people it's like, well, I like bacon or burgers. Or I really like this like shitty processed food and you kind of rely on it too much. Once you lose your health, whatever that thing was that you thought was worth it become, it's just, it's just not worth it anymore. Like, and I wish I didn't do that. I wish I took better care of myself. I wish I slept more. I wish I cut out those toxic people from my life. I wish I made different food choices. So I just want to tell you that whatever you think is worth it is absolutely not. And on the, on that note, eating whole food plant-based is, and is still continuing to be because there's even more data and more research coming out one of the best ways to reduce the risk of all major chronic illnesses, right? There's no guarantees in life. There's only increases in probability and you want to put those chances on your side, right? So I see eating whole food plant-based and living an active lifestyle, like wearing a seatbelt when you're in your car. If you crash your car without a seatbelt, most likely you're going to die. If you crash your car with a seatbelt, you're a lot less likely to die. There's no guarantees you won't, but you're a lot less eating whole food plant-based and living an active lifestyle is you putting on that seatbelt, right? I get it. There's no guarantees in life, but even if you can eat 70, 80, 90% more whole food plant-based than what you're currently consuming, that's a huge step in the right direction, right? Versus just continuing to push on with what you're currently doing and just waiting for something to break down before you make a change. I want to tell you this because I saw it through cancer. If you're sick and it's really mild, a lot easier to recover from it. If you get sick with cancer, you get a heart attack, diabetes, you're dealing with this shit for a long time and it's the most effort you'll ever put into something. Whatever you think is hard, times that times 100. That's what you're gonna have to do to try to get your health back and you're gonna feel shitty the whole time you're doing it. Last note on that, if you have kids, you have a partner that you love, you have people that you love around you, I'm here to tell you, that it's selfish for you to not take care of you. Because I see, and we, we work with a lot of parents, we work with a lot of grandparents. Well, I like to put my kids first, I like to put other people first. Listen, if you don't put yourself first, guess what's going to happen? Eventually, it'll catch up to you and then you'll get sick. And then guess what? All the people that you loved will be forced to take care of you because you couldn't take care of you, mm. right? Think about that. The people you love that you're spending all your love and energy on, they're going to be forced to take care of you, but not only take care of you, they're going to afford, they're going to be forced to see you being sick and they're going to feel powerless because they can't do shit to help you because you neglected your health and your body for too long. And from someone that's been in the caregiver seat for five years, it's the worst feeling in the world. You wish you could save and heal someone and you can't. It's the, it's the, it's the worst. I'd rather lose a limb than have to go through that again. Right? So please be selfish. Take care of yourself because you don't want your kids to see you in that position. You don't want your partner to have to dress you and change your clothes and wash you because you couldn't take care of yourself because you put other people first. Feel your cup first. Then you can pour a lot more into other people. And in the long run, you guys are going to have a healthy, happy life versus them being forced to take care of you in your old age. So it's my last words for the show. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. As you can see, our passion is to help people navigate the vegan lifestyle. Having on vegan experts from around the globe, Sean is the founder and, of course, the host of SoFlow Vegans, an organization created to help make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at SoFlow Vegans. 
Find the show and more at SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. And for questions or comments, send an email to contact at SoFloVegans.com. Our food is grown, not born. See you next time.